good morning, good morning. I hope you guys brought your shouting shoes because I have OMG-level OMG good news. This, we, like, brought this out from the special batch of good news. And so, oh, boy. All right, you guys ready? <clears throat> I'm starting a new series, and I'm going to keep talking about it until there's a shift. So we're going to talk about healing. And so healing is a big part of our, our, is a big part of our church's calling, but it's also the privilege of every believer. I love how Jesus referred to it. He said, healing is the children's bread. It, like, it belongs to them. It's part, it's, it's part of our covenant. It's part of our inheritance. We've had lots of, lots of healings here. And so, I, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of healings. And we're so thankful for that. I'm ready to see more. <clears throat> I'm ready to see it at another level. I remember a fun one. We, uh, we used to do Saturday night service. And thank you, Jesus, we're not doing those anymore <clears throat> for lots of reasons. They were terrible. But anyway, but God did some good things. <clears throat> God did some good things in them. Now we're <laughs> not only, in them, yeah, we're only doing service first and third Sundays now. But anyway, I remember this one Sunday or one Saturday night, this lady came in in a wheelchair. And she was just a sweetheart of a lady. She was a Catholic lady. She'd never been to a Protestant church before. We love Catholics. And, they, uh, and she came in and, um, you know, she ended up going out for prayer and uh, she got out of the wheelchair that Saturday night. She, uh, she told she'd never walk again. I remember she's, yeah, it was, it was so cool. And so she's pushing the wheelchair, and she looks at me, and she says, my husband will never believe this. <laughs> so fun. I remember another Sunday, uh, we were um, ministering, and we, I think we actually taught on healing. And there was this lady who had uh, a three-year-old and a three-month-old. And so both times for the kids, she had to get a C-section. So she had a scar on one side that was three years old and a scar on the other side that was, it might have been three weeks old. I don't remember. Was it three weeks? Anyway, it doesn't matter. And so, um, and then the doctor said, you can't have any more kids. There's no more, there's no more muscles to cut. So she came up for prayer and she's like, I want to have a baseball team uh, number of kids. And so uh, that's more than two, just for you uh, non-athletic people like myself. <laughs> Is that nine? Is that nine kids? What's, okay, yeah. I told yeah. Obviously, I didn't play sports, okay? And so she's like, I want to have a baseball team. So she's crying. She's like, I want to have more kids. And so, uh, she, so she gets prayer. And as she's getting prayer, she has an open vision. So eyes open, you're kind of seeing things. And in this vision, she's back in the emergency room. So they had to do an emergency C-section on her last kid who was three months old. So she's, she's seeing herself in this. She's on the stretcher. And there's this bright light, and then when the light goes down, she's back kind of to herself. She's like, wow, that was really weird. So she goes to the bathroom, and she comes back out, and while she, between the vision and the time she checked, the three-year-old scar had disappeared. The three-month-old scar has disappeared. She can have more kids now. Isn't that good? I mean, literally have hundreds of these. I'll just, I just wrote down a couple here. I remember another fun one. We had one of our uh, young men in the church... He was uh, walking through a restaurant, and he saw this lady, and he just felt like she was kind of highlighted to him. He didn't know why, and he's like, hey, hope this doesn't sound crazy, but that is a great opening line if you're about to pray for somebody out in public. I don't know why it works. It just kind of takes a little bit of the weirdness out of it. I hope this doesn't sound crazy, but I just was, uh, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for you for? And she's like, well, actually, I have stage four cancer. And so um, he, he prays for her. And then leaves, doesn't think anything of it. We get a call, um, you know, a week or a couple days later, and the lady, she says, I think this guy's name was so-and-so, and I think this was the church. We're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's him. And uh, she had gone to the doctor, and all of the cancer had left her body. She was completely healed. Yeah, so good. 
Now, here's what's super exciting. I love praying for the sick, but here's what's super exciting. All those miracles I just told you about and hundreds and hundreds and more, those were not me praying for them. It was normal people, people who don't have, you know, word pastor in front of their name. So I love praying for people, but it used to be like it was the man of God or the woman of God, and everyone would hollow them as they walked by. And I believe in showing honor to everybody, <laughs> not just the person behind the pulpit, okay? But I think God, he's raising our awareness that he wants to, the purpose of the ministry is to equip you to be able to do the things that Jesus did. It's not so you can sit back and watch and applaud and give and, and participate that way. God wants you to be able to do those things. Jesus said this, that believers would lay their hands on the sick and they would recover. Mark 16, 18. That's the New Testament. That's the words of Jesus. Who, what was the qualification for laying hands on believers, uh, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover? That they are believers. That's pretty exciting to me. I think the problem is, is we have a lot of unbelieving believers. I'm not saying that to condemn anybody, but I feel like what God is leading us into is becoming believing believers who believe. <laughs> I don't know how many other ways I can keep saying it, all right? What well, gets exciting, sometimes I get asked to speak on healing when I travel, and we'll have people, we'll activate them to pray for each other. And a lot of the people who are getting the healings are being prayed for by somebody who has never seen a miracle before. I think a lot of times I, I kind of had this picture in my mind growing up. It was for this special person with a special calling, a special gifting. You know, they had to have a certain level of holiness and walk with God perfect for a couple years before God could flow through them. I got some good news for you. God only uses people with issues. God hasn't had anybody qualified working for him yet, and you and I will not be the first. It's God's goodness, not your goodness. It's his righteousness, not your righteousness, that qualifies you to be used for a miracle. So I remember we did this one. We actually did it. We taught like several days at this school of healing. And so we were teaching like morning, afternoon, evening. And there's this one guy who was just absolutely precious. He, his knee was wrecked. I don't remember what it was. But every time we would teach, we would pray, and his, nothing's happening to his knee. And so literally like, like halfway through the week, his, his, his shoulders are slumped over, and he's like depressed. He's like, he's like, I'm that special case that can't get healed. I've got some good news for you. You're not that special. Jesus paid for you too. There are no special cases. Okay, but anyway, so he's like depressed, and so I remember we did this one uh, thing. I don't, I don't know. I have this crazy idea. I'm like, hey, does anybody got legs that are shorter than one another? And so a bunch of people like sit down, like, oh, and so we're praying for legs to grow out. And so um, the guy who like you know nothing's working for him. He'd never seen a miracle. He just came because his wife made him. He's totally depressed now. I mean, literally, like you could watch him. It's like a cloud over this guy. So he sits down for this person, and not only was their leg uh, about, I don't know, like three or four inches shorter, but the foot was deformed and turned in. And so his faith goes, like out the window. He's, he's like, ah. So he's praying, and as he prays, the leg grows out, the foot undeforms and turns into a normal foot in front of them. And he's sitting there, and his hands are shaking. He's like, Jesus is using me for a miracle! And it was just like, he couldn't, I mean, this guy, you guys have to understand, this wasn't like the mighty man of faith, like, you know, walking on top of puddles, you know, like there was none of that going on. He went from depressed to somehow something happened through him, and now this miracle is happening. So later on that day, his knee gets healed. He's doing healing crusades in India now. I'm like, what is going on? Here's some good news. It's available for every follower of Jesus. 
Would you like to receive healing or be used in healing? Good news. It's part of the family business called the kingdom of God. Jesus came to destroy some of the works of the devil, but some, no, no, no. He came to destroy all the works of the devil. It's 1 John 3, 8. I'm actually just quoting scriptures here. These aren't like opinions. Jesus gave every disciple who believes the power and authority to do the same works that he did. I know it almost sounds sacrilegious. It almost sounds like an exaggeration. Listen to John 14, 12. This is Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you. When Jesus is saying truly, truly, he's like, listen up. I'm saying it so, like, don't miss what I'm saying. I think the King James says verily, verily. I think in uh, the literal translation is amen, amen. Okay? I say to you, whoever believes in me, there's that qualification again, just being a believing believer who believes. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. What do greater works mean? I'm not sure I know. So let's just go with the same works. (laughs) Greater works, I would imagine, means greater in number because the Holy Spirit now can have billions of Jesus-level power walking on the earth. Man, you guys are cold right now. Okay. Seven billion healing revivalists walking the planet. I'd settle for a couple hundred to start with. All believers will do the same works that Jesus did. It's not limited to the ministers. It's just, there's just a shortage of believing believers who believe. So how do we get to the place? How do we get to the place where we become a believing believer who believes? I did not plan on using that phrase. It's becoming more ridiculous the more I say it, but I can't stop. I don't know what's happening here. I'll tell you what, it starts with renewing the mind. Faith is based on knowledge, and everything that we need to become a victorious Christian is in the Bible. You don't have to reach into your emotional realm and try to stir yourself up to emotion. It's actually in the Word of God. And when our thoughts get lined up with His thoughts, His power can flow through broken vessels like you and me. So listen to this verse and uh, what the Apostle Peter wrote in Second Peter verses one. I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter one, verses three, three through four. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to the life and godliness. How are you going to access them? Here's the key phrase. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. What incredible language there. So that through them, you might become partakers of the divine nature. I mean, you should just take a phrase at a time and like lay in the ground. I feel like like I'm making snow angels or something. I don't know. Just lay there and just soak in these words. Knowledge of a few basic truths, when properly applied, will make a huge difference in releasing healing in your life and to others. Just a few things, a few truths about him, if we would renew our mind to him. And so here's what I want to do. I want to take this series. I want to go through those few simple truths. We're not trying to get to PhD level healing. A child can do it. It says, unless you become like little kids, if you're waiting to feel qualified, you could be waiting for a very long time. The only thing that qualifies you is that the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you because Jesus already paid for it. This is the only thing that makes us qualified. If If you're wanting to feel qualified when you reach a certain behavior level, when you reach a certain knowledge level, now you're putting your trust in your ability rather than God's ability. And now it's about works rather than grace and his goodness. So here, I'm just going to give you a couple of these basic truths, and we're going to really hit one today. Here's one basic truth. It's always God's will to heal today. 
If you don't have that settled in your heart, you're never going to have faith because you don't even know if God's agreeing with you. How many of you guys know, I can't have faith for something if I don't know God wants to do it. I can like have a wishing well or something, but if I, don't, I can't know that I know unless he already said yes. Here's another truth. Uh, Jesus paid for the healing of your body the same way he paid for the forgiveness of your sins. God would no more rather have you sick than he would rather have you in adultery. He paid for you to come out of both. Neither one of them are his will. What are we supposed to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ain't no hospitals in heaven. Ain't no COVID masks. I'm not dissing anyone who's wearing a mask. I'm wearing it to honor the governor. What I'm saying is that we won't need those things because that's not his will. Here's another truth. God has already placed his healing power within us. He already gave us authority over every sickness and every disease. It's up to us to learn how to release it. We're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. He already placed the Holy Spirit, the healer, power and authority on the inside of you. He's waiting for you to decide. God is not withholding healing. The church is withholding healing. He put a gun in your hand and told you to shoot that thing. These are truths that will set you free. We're going to be spending time on each one of those. So let's start with this basic truth. I'm going to try to say it as plain as I can. It's never God's will for us to be sick. He wants every person healed every time. I don't know if I can make it any more plain than that, but I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes trying to, okay? It's never God's will for us to be sick. He wants every person healed every time. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to the Bible. But I want to say this. His name is healer, not afflictor. Steal, kill, and destroy is someone else's job description. Guys, when God's revealing his name, he's revealing his nature. He's telling you what he is like. He didn't say, I'm the great tormentor. I'm the great afflictor. I'm the punisher. Right? Guys, this is the almost too-good-to-be-true news of the gospel. Now, most Christians don't know and don't believe that. That it's God's will to heal every time today. Well, Jim, uh, God, uh, God doesn't uh, cause sickness, but he allows sickness. Guys, it's the same thing. If I abuse my kids, or if I know that the neighbors are abusing my kids and I let them do it anyway, it's the same thing. God is not allowing sickness. The church is allowing sickness. He gave you authority over sickness and told you to do it. A lot of people are waiting for God to do what he told us to do, and it's not, it's not going to work that way. If I abuse my kids or I knowingly let my neighbor abuse my kids, it's the same thing. Guys, that kind of thinking that God allows sickness will keep you sick, and it may cause you to die from a disease. Now, it may comfort somebody in the short term. Oh, it must not have been God's will. Well, that kind of thinking will never get a prayer answered. Well, doesn't the Bible say we pray if it be thy will? No, it does not. Here's what it says. It says in James chapter 4, it says, don't make plans without God. Don't say we're going to go into this city and do this and this city and without that. Say if it be thy will. It's talking about planning without God. It's not talking about his clear revealed will in the word of God and going, oh, what is this it? Sorry. <laughs> the spirit of feistiness is trying to settle on me. And I like it. Okay. One of the clearest principles in the New Testament, I don't think I've ever taught this before here, uh, James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
this verse clearly teaches that there are things that are from God and there are things that are from the devil. There is no third category where God uh, uses the devil to do things for you. Well, God allows it. God, no, no, guys, there is no category where God's using sickness, God's using disease, God's using calamity. Steal, kill, and destroy is the devil. There are things that are from the devil and there are things that are from God. There is no other category of these things. Well, Jim, God uses sickness to make you more like Jesus. Well, Jesus isn't sick, so how is sickness going to make you more like him? It's the Holy Spirit's job to make you like Jesus, not sickness. The devil's tools are not going to make you more like Jesus. Well, Jim, the Bible talks a lot about suffering. Yes, it does. Suffering for being a bright light in a dark place. There's not one verse in the Bible where you're guaranteed suffering and it's sickness as a result. We'll do a whole message on Paul's thorn in the flesh. The Bible tells you what it is. A messenger of Satan sent to torment him through persecutions, hardships, and insults. Read the chapter before, 2 Corinthians 10. Then read it in 2 Corinthians 11. It's so clear. Okay. I've been doing Pilates. I've got to get my breathing right here. Sickness has nothing to do with God. We submit to the things of God, and we resist the things of the devil. To believe that God approves of man's sickness or allows man's sickness, it's going to eliminate our responsibility. I'm not going to resist it now because I think it's from God. It violates the very principle of how we're supposed to fight this thing. Guys, if we know it's God's will to heal, that means we can fight. And when we pray and it doesn't happen, it doesn't mean that we stop praying. It means we can keep praying because his will hasn't changed. Well, Jim, I thought you were just supposed to pray once, and anything other than that's unbelief. Show me that in the Bible. That's ridiculous. Knock and keep on knocking. Pray until the thing leaves. Then you can stop. There's this widely accepted doctrine in the body of Christ, which I think is perhaps the most dangerous doctrine, and it is widespread, and it says everything that happens God's will because he's sovereign. How are we doing? God is sovereign. If you use the biblical definition of sovereign, there's nobody bigger. His ultimate plans and purposes will be accomplished with the free will of men and women who love him. That will happen. But gang, everything that happens is not God's will. 2 Peter 3.9, God is not willing that any should perish. Are there people perishing? Every single day. There's things that are happening that are not according to his will. And so that's why we are to partner with him and make his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it was already being done perfectly, we wouldn't have to pray that prayer. We wouldn't have to evangelize. We wouldn't have to vote. All right, yeah, yeah, I said it, I said it. Do you want me to tell you how to vote? Yeah, consult the Holy Spirit. Try that for a change instead of consulting the news. I heard this quote I thought was interesting. If you're spending more time on the news than you are the word of God, then your discouragement is self-inflicted. There you go. You must believe God always wants you healed. It's simple, but it's so simple you have to have somebody help you misunderstand it. And religion will help you misunderstand it. What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? Didn't, what about Paul's bad eyesight? Guys, Paul didn't have bad eyesight. I can prove it to you. Mary knows what I'm going to say. I'm going to prove to you Paul did not have bad eyesight. 
Timothy let Paul circumcise him. <laughs> Mommy, what's circumcision? Ask your father. <laughs> Look at it this way. If God wanted you sick for whatever reason, then how dare you go to the doctor or take medication? Why not just let that sickness have its full course? More, Lord! Double portion! Now, I hope you see this as foolish, and I see that as foolish too. But that would be the logical conclusion. If God puts sickness on people, why would you ever try to get well? Nobody believes it. Religion has this deception that comes on and makes you have stupid thinking. Let me just say this. God's not against medicine. He's against being number two. We're not some cult that says you can't eat healthy or take your kids to the doctor. You know, if, if your kid has a broken leg, um, pray for them. And if they're not instantly healed, take them to the doctor. We don't withhold medicine from our kids. Practice your faith in your kids. Don't test your faith in your kids. Absolutely pray for them. But if something ain't happening, all medical wisdom that actually works comes from God. There's actually poultices and prescriptions in the Old Testament for healing, natural remedies. And so we're not against those things. That's part of wisdom. But we don't count on those things primarily. God wants you alive until you can get healed. So it's okay to take medicine. But every time you take it, take it as an act of faith. God, I think this is the last time, one of the last, this may be the last time I'm going to need this. Back to the message. Are we Okay. So what's the bottom line on God's will for our healing? I love this phrase from Bill Johnson. I love the Bill Johnson phrases. They're just great. Jesus is perfect theology. All, all that I've been saying, I just, I'm about to prove it to you, but it's, it's, it's so simple. Jesus is perfect theology. Get this statement in your heart. If you want to know what God's like, you look at Jesus. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. There was the law, there was the prophets, there were the psalmists, angels came, all sorts of things. That's how he used to speak. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The message and the voice has changed. The voice now is Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Whatever you think you know about God that you discovered in the Old Testament if you can't find it in the person of Jesus, you have a right to question it. You cannot let an inferior revelation of God in the Old Testament supersede the superior revelation that we find in Jesus when he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The whole Testament pointed to Jesus. I just, I just got to read Hebrews 1 again. It's so good. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. His son was a giant sermon, a giant signpost, a giant picture of, oh, this is what dad's like. When he's feeding the 5,000, when he sees his kids hungry, what's, what's a good dad do? Provides for his children. When you see there's a woman caught in adultery and they're ready to stone her, Jesus steps in and he writes something in the sand. I don't know what it is. I just typically believe whatever the last sermon said it was. I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. They're literally getting, this woman's caught. She's in shame. They're, they're, for some reason, they don't punish the guy, but they got the woman there. He, he writes something in there and it causes such an atmosphere of grace that people run. Jesus steps in and protects this woman from death. What's he doing? He's having a father-daughter father, moment. 
This is what dads do. They step in and they protect the hurting daughters. John 10, 37, Jesus said this, If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. I love that he referred to miracles as the works of his Father. Why? Because Jesus didn't come just to die on a cross. That was part of it. But he came to reveal the Father. He came to show people what Dad was like. It was such a nuclear-level revelation that he was not just, you know, you know, you know God, you know, El Shaddai, you know, Almighty, healer, provision, stronghold. He was now Father. He was Abba. It's such a profound statement. If I don't do the works of my father, in the book of John, the works were always miracles, signs, healings, miracles that he did. Remember when Jesus said, greater works will you do than I do because I go to the father? Some of those works, he's talking about the miracles from. He's saying, listen, if I don't do these miracles, these works of my father, you don't have to believe me. I want you to think about this. All the Old Testament points to Jesus. He says, you can throw that out if I don't do miracles. And angels showed up at his, announce, at his birth, announcing it. He said, yeah, you don't have to listen to that. Stars in the heavens. Remember, there was a star that literally followed him over there. He says, you know, you, you could ignore the, the miracles of nature that pointed to my birth if I don't do miracles. John the Baptist is like, here's the one. It's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He says, you don't have to listen to any of that if I don't do. Why? He came to reveal the Father, and it's an imperfect revelation of what Dad's like if there's not the miraculous realm invading impossible situations of humanity. You'll never know what Dad's like unless we see the miraculous realm. 222 verses out of 666 verses, Mark. Don't get all freaked out over 666. The verses were put in like, you know, 1,200 years after the Bible was written, okay? So there wasn't anything. But literally, one-third of the book of Mark is miracles. Why? Because he's showing you what dad's like. Whew. Listen to John 1.18 in the Amplified. That means it's going to be louder. That's just a bad joke. John 1.18. No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique son or the only begotten God who is in the bosom, in the intimate presence of the Father... He has declared him. He has revealed him and brought him out where he can be seen. He has interpreted him. I lost my place. He has interpreted him and has ma- he has made him known. Here's what I want to do. I want to replace the pronouns with Jesus so we can see how clear this is. Okay, next slide here. Ready for this? John 1.18. Jesus Christ has declared the Father. Jesus Christ has revealed the Father, brought the Father out where the Father can be seen, Jesus Christ has interpreted the Father, and Jesus Christ has made the Father known. Why am I saying all this? Jesus is perfect theology. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In fact, I only do what I see the Father doing. And I only say what I hear him say. Every time he's doing something, every time he says something, he's revealing what dad's like. And what did he do? Are you ready for this? He healed every person who came to him without exception. He never said, you're right in the middle of an important lesson right now. If you wait till the blood moon and the Shemitah line up, there'll be some, your, your sickness is a prophetic sign of Israel's hard-hearted. No, no, no. They came to him and he healed them every single time. He never said, we need to wait a little bit. You need to solve some of these character issues. You need to go catch up on your tithes. You need to break some generational curses. That's a bunch of baloney. He healed them. It wasn't complicated. I remember we had a, um, a person who had their knee wrapped up with a big bandage right out there in the lobby. 
and uh, they were limping badly. And this little kid, uh, I don't know, like three or four years old, had some pretty good theology. Went up and took these two fingers, with, without permission, just went up, and touched the person's knee and said, Jesus heals boo-boos. And the person's knee was instantly healed. <laughs> Guys, that's some pretty good theology right there. Imagine reading the Gospels for the first time. You're reading, and Jesus goes into a village, and you see this phrase over and over, and Jesus healed them all. Blind eyes open. I don't know if you've ever seen blind eyes open. I've seen it before, and it is something else. I watched the film. This little girl, she was uh, sitting, on a, uh, sitting next to me, and, and um, I didn't know what was going on. Apparently, she didn't have the ability to produce tears, and she didn't have... Uh, she didn't have the ability to see. And so this family came, and they stuck her with me. And uh, we spoke different languages. And so um, I didn't know why they stuck her with me. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, anyway, so I'm, I pray for her, and tears start running down her face. And I thought, oh, you know, she's with this white guy. You know, she doesn't want, she doesn't want to be with me. It was over in Africa. And, um, and then these people start rejoicing. I'm like, what's going on? They said, well, she doesn't have the ability to produce tears. I'm like, oh, well, this is good. And they tell me she's blind. I'm like, well, that would have been helpful. And so, and so I'm praying and I don't know how else to describe it. It was like a flash went across her face and all the film left. And so I'm like, hold on, am I imagining this? You know, my mighty faith. I'm like, how am I making this up? Did I have like her film just leave her eyes? And so um, I got out a water bottle and I like started passing it and her eyes are following it back and forth. And I'm like, am I imagining that her eyes are following it back and forth? You know, God only uses people who aren't qualified. I'm as shocked as, as the family, but I'm just not showing it. <laughs> yeah, this is good. And so, uh, you know, I actually get a camera phone out and get a light and everything, and her pupils are dilating, and so, the, you know, she could see. Jesus goes in. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen uh, people who were, uh, I remember the, um, there was this uh, little mute girl, and um, the, the family, the, the mom brought her, and they, were supposed to, they, they weren't supposed to be in this area, and she came through anyway, and it was just a weird day, okay? It was like all these people were manifesting a demon in this other area, and they're like, you know, Jim and Mary, we need to go. And, and it's like, you know, you can hear the demon scream. It was just a wild day, okay? And so um, <clears throat> it wasn't on a Sunday. And so, uh, although I'd love some more of that, and uh, the girl had never spoken. And uh, it's like, it was like the mom had, like, pressed through the crowds, you know? She had broken protocol, and it was like, and so it was just, it was just a quick prayer. I just said, in the name of Jesus, tongue be loose. And I said, repeat after me. And uh, in their language, it was uh, Yesu, was Jesus. And she says, Yesu. And the mom falls to her knees and begins to cry. And then she says, Mama. Then the little girl gets up and she gets the mic. She starts yelling, Yesu. Healings just start breaking out all over the place like that. Because Jesus did these things over and over. He, I mean, can you imagine bringing your crippled child and the legs are restored? I've seen people who are carried in on a mat get up and dance. Jesus does these things. Guys, there ain't anything special about me. I, I struggle with doubt just as much as the next person. The only thing that helps me is to get my eyes on him. There's a gift of faith, but all faith is a gift, and it comes from looking at Jesus. That's the only time I feel any kind of faith. Can you imagine? He goes into a village, leprosy cleansed, the dead are raised, the demon-possessed are set free. Can you imagine the scene, the, the, the rejoicing, the, the jubilation? And you keep reading it, and he does it in the next town. And he does it in the next town, and he keeps on doing it. And then he sends out his disciples, first the 12, and then the 72, and they're getting the same results as Jesus. And they go through the book of Acts, and this explosion begins to take first in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And Jesus makes this crazy statement, anyone who has faith in me 
will do the works I've been doing. In fact, you'll, you'll do greater works because I'm going to the Father. My earthly father, my dad, is the best guy I've ever met. And he's been that way my whole life. I've been blessed to be raised by him. I remember telling Mary one time, I said, you know, if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, I'm like, that's my dad. Dad's incredible. Jesus says this, if you earthly fathers, even though you got issues, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more the Heavenly Father you look at the best example of any earthly father you've ever seen, you're just getting a microscopic view of the goodness of God. Guys, healing cannot just be a doctrine that we study out and, and, and debate over and this and that because there's people dying in hospitals right now, in homes right now. Maybe even in this room there's terminal illness. It needs to be eradicated. Just look at any earthly father who's decent. They would do anything for their child. Look at any mother. <laughs> Just remember, every good and perfect gift is from above. It's coming down from the heaven. Anything that's good, any good and perfect gift coming from above, coming down from the heavenly father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Here's what he's saying. God's good all the time and it never changes. People say that God puts sickness on his kids. If I put sickness on my children, I'd be arrested for child abuse. And to think that God puts sickness on his kids is demented and disgusting. There's two job descriptions in the Bible. Steal, kill, and destroy. Life more abundantly. Let's make this simple. God, good. Devil, bad. Cancer, bad. Where does it come from? The devil. Healing, good. Where does it come from? It comes from dad. Don't ever confuse the two job descriptions. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. In the Bible times, they understood that sickness came from the devil. Unfortunately, the church in the West has been without power for so long that somehow we've switched job descriptions where God is putting sickness on people to teach them a lesson, and the devil is healing through lying signs and wonders. Pardon my French, but holy crap, what a bunch of stupid stuff. Are you kidding me? How on earth are we switching these things? God, good, devil, bad. I'm sorry, I lost it there for a second. Sorry for the, for the bad language. No, don't clap for that. Don't clap. I shouldn't have said it. I just, that religious thing keeps people sick and they die from it. Thinking that they're honoring God by, by suffering for him. It's religious and it's from the devil. Whew. I'll take that Amen. The disciples asked Jesus in John 6, 28, what must we do to be doing the works of God? It's a pretty good question. You can imagine they're seeing all this stuff. They're like, how do we do that? He gives them a two-part answer. Jesus answered them. This is John 6, 29. This is the work of God, that you believe in him. A lot of people do that part. Believe in him, meaning Jesus, 
whom the Father has sent. Let's break this down and we're going to close. You want to do healing and miracles, Jesus tells us right here. The first part, believe in Jesus. Many stop here and they, they don't understand the rest of what he said. Believe in Jesus, whom the Father has sent. This is extremely important. Many Christians don't understand that Jesus was sent to reveal the Father. <laughs> it's that simple revelation that when I see him, I'm seeing the Father's will being revealed. It's what we've been talking about. Generic faith will not do the job. It's specific faith, and Christ is the one who reveals the will of the Father as necessary to seeing healing and miracles in the lives of others. You must believe Christ is showing you what God wants for people. That kind of simple faith is what gets miracles happening. I'll close with this verse here. 2 Corinthians 11.3. It's one of the scariest verses in the Bible. I, I remember the first time I saw it, I just, I, I just was floored by it. Paul says this, I fear that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent, I fear that you too have been deceived from the simplicity of Christ. I tell you, in charismatic circles, they want healing mantles and double portion anointings and all sorts of craziness, and we need a word of knowledge if we're going to believe. God, we love words of knowledge. Here's a word of knowledge for you. Jesus healed them all. We're looking for all these other tricks. We're waiting for our hands to feel warm, waiting to feel the emotions, waiting for the gift of faith. I feel that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent, that's pretty big. You too have been deceived away from the simplicity of Christ. It's all because of him. He showed us what the Father was like. We'll look next time at how he already paid for it, the same way he paid for sin. The same, we're going to learn next time we can receive him as healer the same way you received him as Savior. What if it was that easy? What if healing was way easier than you thought? That's next time. But right now, I want to I just camp on that fact. The simplicity of Christ. We know exactly what God's will is. It's his will to heal every time today. So I'm going to give you a couple of discernment questions, and then we're going to pray for some healing. You guys good? A couple of discernment questions. Whenever you hear teaching, uh, here's some good questions. Did Jesus teach and demonstrate this to his disciples? Well, I tell you, a lot of the healing garbage out there right now, they're just inventing stuff that Jesus, they, they would have never known that. Generational curses, that would have been foreign to them. Jesus became the curse so that you could become the righteousness of God. Your whole family line died when you got buried with Christ through baptism. Now you've been united with him, and there ain't no curses in his generation. I'm telling you, it's a lot of this technique stuff. A five-second prayer of faith will do more than 10,000 hours of begging. We need to soak them in healing prayer. No, you just need to prayer of faith. You see what I'm saying? All this stuff that we're trying to do because the simple faith isn't working, so we've got to try something else. No, no, guys, we've got to get back to the simplicity of Christ. Here's another question. Would Peter, Paul, or Mary know anything about this doctrine or practice? Not the singing group. It was supposed to be a little bit funny. You millennials don't even know that that was a singing group. Is this doctrine mainly from the Old Testament but doesn't seem to be in the New Testament? Those are just some good discernment questions when you hear teaching by me or anybody else. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your mission, my mission, and we've chosen to accept it, is to make up there come down here. 
We get a beautiful picture in Revelation 22. There'll be no more sickness, no more sorrow. He'll wipe away every tear. We have a heart to see human trafficking eradicated in our, eradicated in our city. That's absolutely important. I'm not, we we want to see these big picture things. But there's something about seeing the breakthroughs of healing that allows us to believe for the miraculous in the other, in the other realms. If we're not seeing miracles in our midst, it's going to be impossible for him to believe for the transformation of cities. And so I really feel like there's a lot of weight on this right now for us to get back and to exceed the level of healing that we've been seeing. I don't know if you guys know this. We've had 16 people raised from the dead in the last 10 years here at the church. None of them died in service. It wasn't like an Ananias and Sapphira ministry being reborn. Like, what? why are all these people dying? It's just the right people in the right place. Drug overdoses on the streets, babies drowning, car accident scenes, just, just yay God, right people in the right time. Um, and uh, people, I've had people ask us, like, what kind of training do you do for dead raising? Um, we don't have any training. Like, it's just, it's just like, you know, put your hands like this, and then, and then shaky voice, yay, you know, it's... It's not about these techniques. It's about getting our eyes on Jesus and releasing what he's given us. And so um, here's what I want everybody to do. If you're able to stand, let's stand. It's not good for you to hear a message and not put it into practice. All that does is equip you to be a hearer, not a doer. So I just want to say this. We're going to go after this for a whole bunch of weeks. So the pressure's off right now. I got some news for you. You can't make anything happen in your own strength. So this isn't time to go, oh, no, I'm going to pray for somebody. Oh, and so...